0: I'm going to ask God to set aside everything that I think I know about you, God, the steps, recovery, the big book, what's best for me, what's best for others. Especially help me let go of all my old ideas so I can live on your truth. Heavenly Father, help us to carry your message today and glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we are uh, working our way through the book, and um, when. Um, Last meeting, we got through page 61. We're looking at uh, the third step. We're looking at what's required, what we have to be convinced of to work the step. What's the first requirement is I'd be convinced that a life on self-will will not work. And then they're going dis- to they describe for us what it looked like. It's not pretty. And we had really good discussion Saturday where people shared how that looks. And then uh, it says the show doesn't usually go off well when we're running it, right? And we think life doesn't treat us right, and we try harder, and then we're more demanding, and the play never suited me. So even though I was, had success in my life, and this and that, I was always a little uneasy. I was always had a little fear, underlying fear. Anybody else like that? And, and that was just the water I lived in. And then when I, I'm here now, I have a lot of peace. And once you have peace, like uh, Susie described, you don't want to lose it, you want to keep it. And so when I'm getting disturbed, I call Mark or Stu, and God bless them, uh, they listen to me. Anyway, um, nobody laughed. Um, and then it, there's a important line on page 61. It says, uh, what is my basic trouble? It's right in the book. I'm a self-seeker even when trying to be kind. My whole life was trying to get something that I thought I needed to be okay, whether it was socially, ambition, approval, materially, or in relationships. And then the second thing that that I was a victim of this, It, it almost killed me. I had this delusion that I created it wasn't true, it was something in my mind that I could rest, wrestle, notice satisfaction and happiness out of the world if I just managed well. So I made the world my higher power. And I was under this delusion that if I could just get all of the dominoes right, I would be okay. If I just had the best internship, then everybody would say, Oh, he's he's a good guy. You get it? And it was always out there. And what I found now is I get satisfaction happiness out of the world when I let God manage it. And I do his will. That's when I feel the best, when I'm serving him and others. Trying to help his people, being kind and loving and tolerant. So we're gonna start on the bottom of sixty-one. So, they're going to say our actor, the actor in the play, is self centered. That's me. Egocentric, thinking only of myself without regard for other people. I think that describes untreated alcoholism. We could still be that way in recovery, sober, but we use the steps now to recognize it so we don't stay there. And I'm like a. Uh, Retired businessmen, I'm lowing in the Florida sunshine complaining about the state of the nation. See, it is? we don't recognize other people have problems, they have needs, we, we think they're no good. The minister who sighs over the sins of the 20th century. Well, the minister has to understand that the only requirement to go to church is that you be a sinner. <laughs> you know, we're all sinners. And... Politician reformers who are sure all would be utopia if the rest of the world would all behave. So if we have politicians today who think if you would only behave and do what I want, everything would be good. And then there's somebody who says, no, you're wrong. You need to do what I want. And so, uh, and then the outlaw safe cracker thinks society has wronged him because it was really his money in the safe, right? You know, it it was really his money, and how could they lock me up? And then the alcoholic who's lost all and locked up. If I just hadn't taken the interstate, if I just went down Wanamaker, and we lost all and we're locked up. And it says, whatever our protestations, whatever the things we're complaining about, are not most, I would say almost all of us, concerned with ourselves, my resentments, and my self-pity. And that's the way I was when I came in here. Now they're describing this on sixty-sixty-three, so the individual understand why they need to do the four step four through nine. So this is kind of you you conceded in step one that you're an alcoholic, your life is unmanageable, but in step three you have to make a decision based on that information in one that you're the problem and you can't run your life anymore. So they're getting us ready to make that decision in step three. And self-pity is not good. That's the worst thing. We feel self-pity because they they just don't understand this. I worked so hard, why are they acting this way? Blah, blah, blah. My resentments, which we know are wrong, they're wrong judgments, and thinking of myself. Now, when you get to page 86, it says at night, you look at your day, where were you selfish, dishonest, resentful, or afraid? Every night. And then you think, were you thinking of yourself all the time? Or were you thinking of others? You see? And so we're gonna go from being concerned with myself to being concerned for others and did I show love kindness and love to everyone, or was I thinking of myself all day? That's what we think about at night. Look at page eighty six tonight, if you have and put it by your bed, just read it before you go to sleep. Selfishness, self-centeredness. That we think is the root of my troubles. Now when I came in, I didn't know that. Did anybody else know that? I thought it was them. I thought it was circumstances, bad luck. Uh, things just, you know, it was just, a mess. And I wasn't thinking clearly, like Susie described. I love the way you said it It took you a year. I realized looking back, wow, those first few months, I was a mess. Full of fear. Uh, You know, it it was hard. Anybody else have that? We could talk about that when we open up. The root of my troubles. So everything was self. It was me running the show. And they weren't the problem. I was the root of the troubles. And I like to talk about the tree. When we come in here, we have a tree, a big tree. And the the bark is falling apart. The branches are all broken. There's no uh, leaves. There's no fruit. It's a mess. Because it's planted in Michael's soil. Now, AA says, OK, Michael, are you sick of that tree? Why don't we put the tree in God's soil and see what it looks like? And the bark's beautiful, and the branches are beautiful. It's blooming. It's full of fruit. And that's what we do in AA. We change, we replant our tree from Michael's soil to God's soil. And and here's the warning. You're going to have to do it the rest of your life, all day long. Just replant your tree. Some people say get a new pair of glasses, change your glasses, you're seeing things wrong. Uh, you could say replant your tree or fire yourself. It, that's the principle. And and then I, I thought I was writing the show. Anybody else thought they were writing the show? No. <laughs> I was driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. So I thought I was running my life. But what was running my life, was my self-centered fear, my self-delusion that I could rest happiness and satisfaction if I managed well, my self-seeking, my self-pity. So that's what was driving my car. So I had this delusion, I was in charge, I wasn't. My character defects were driving my life. I was just like a pin, you know, have you seen these pinball machines where you hit the ball and it goes bang, bang, bang. That's what I was like. But I had this delusion that I was in charge. My motives were good, I was doing things, but it, it wasn't. My character defects, my self-centeredness was running the show. And then what did I do? I stepped on the toes of others and they retaliate. Now, when I looked at my resentments, I could see a lot of these people that I resented, maybe I set the ball rolling. And uh, Nate and I were looking at the examples in the book and how these resentments, but the person who wrote those Examples started at all. And then the people just retaliated. Sometimes they hurt us seemingly, and I wrote, to whom? To whom did it seemingly without provocation? But here's the deal. But I invariably find, and I find that today, that sometime in the past I've made decisions based on self, which later put me in a position to be hurt. Now, they say we shouldn't regret the past or shut the door on it. And I think they're talking but I, I I do regret the decisions I made based on self. And I, I could see them. I could see things I did fifty years ago. Why did I do that? And I, I, I what I say now is I had the wrong manager, Michael. You're under a delusion. And I forgive myself, but I say, boy, I don't I wish I hadn't done that. And then um, but I could see it. And I don't want to do that today. I could still do that today. I can make a decision today based on self, which can hurt me. And then the other thing, position to be hurt and to hurt others. I hurt the people I loved. And we're going to look at how we made decisions based on self in our fourth step and who we hurt and who we owe amends to. So my troubles, I think, are basically of my own making. Everybody agree with that? It's true, and, and then Joe and Charlie make the point, that's one of the great statements in the big book, because if my troubles are of my own making, then I can change the way I am and change the way I react. If it's them, I can't change them. Did anybody try to change them when you came to AA? It didn't work. Things just got worse, so now I know my troubles are basically of my own making, and they arise out of me my self-centeredness and here it is the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot so we're like a riot in the street of self-will and not only that we're an extreme example of it you think they're using you know people just read that and say great but it was true extreme example of self-will run riot and here's the line, uh, Norm's not here, but he, Norm, my buddy Norm used to always say, though he usually doesn't think so. See, we didn't see it. We didn't think so, but it's true. Self-will run riot. Above everything. Now, what's above everything? I always ask that. Nothing. Above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. Now, how much should you be rid of it? All of it why we must or it's going to kill me they're threatening your life here and it's true it's killing me alcohol is not my problem alcohol was the solution to being a self-centered person and self will run riot now why does how's alcohol related to that well when you're running your life you're angry and you're fearful and you harm others you have shame and guilt you're irritable you're restless you're discontented things bother you, you don't think life's fair, and then comes self-pity, poor me, and you start singing the self-pity song, and then before you know it, you're on your way to the liquor store. Now, most people, when they drink again, they don't go to the liquor store and say, you know, I've been living life right on self-will, I'm full of anger, fear, and resentment, I have shame and guilt, I've harmed others, I'm the root of my trouble, blah, 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 give me a drink. We don't do that, we can't see it. But that's really what happens. So when people say, oh, they relapse, No, you're just living on self-will, and when you live on self-will, separated from God long enough, alcoholics, unfortunately, will drink because we don't like the way we feel when we're doing that. And the doctor said, he saw it. He says, we get irritable, restless, and discontent, and we seek the ease and comfort of alcohol. So I was living on self-will, run riot my whole life, but alcohol treated that for a while, but then it stopped working towards the end. Did it stop working for anybody else? Nothing worked, and that was that point that Susie talked. That point of despair, being completely surrendered. I must—it's going to kill me. God makes that possible. Human power can't do it. We just read that. Uh, meetings are good, but meetings only help you if it gets you to the path to God, and keeps you spiritually connected to God with other people who are trying to walk the spiritual path fellowship of the spirit but God is the one who does it that's why when I ask people when they celebrate how did you let God do it if I start taking credit for my sobriety then I'm getting back into self I take credit for what I've been disturbed but God's relieved me of that most of the time when I let him and there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid now people have tried it haven't they and people have tried their own plan. Now, why do I believe so much in the big book? Because it's the only treasure map I know to help, to let God rid me of my self-centeredness. I don't have a plan that worked. I, this plan has worked for me, so I believe in it. When my son died, I said, God said to me, teach the big book so someone doesn't have to die at four in the morning of a drug overdose. And so that's why I started doing this in 2008. I know it's helped me a lot. I I hope it's helped somebody else. Many of us had moral and philosophical convictions galore. Anybody do that? The problem is they were mine. And and then I would say, I'm gonna do better. Anybody do that? I got out of the car, I'm going to work. I'm not gonna get upset. I'm not gonna get bothered by everybody today. I'm gonna be nice, kind and loving. Oh, wow. And maybe an hour. It would last an hour or two hours. Russ is laughing. Uh, if you're a real alcoholic, think back how it used to be. Neither could we reduce my self-centered smudge by wishing or trying on my own power. I did try. I tried to do good. Did anybody try to try to live a good life? We all did. We, our motives were good, but we had the wrong manager. That's all they're telling you. You don't have to beat yourself. Uh, we're not inherently bad. we're inherently good. Well, we've covered up the good with our character defects living in self. Like Michelangelo, they asked him, how did he create that beautiful statue of David? It's big. I've seen it. It's in Florence. It's big. It's like 25 or 30 feet. Can you imagine carving that, how big the marble was? He says, all I did was carve away what wasn't David. And that's all we're doing in AA. We're carving away everything that I've wrapped myself with that isn't God and isn't me. Sandy Beach gives a great talk where he talks about that was the great gift that you get in AA. You see the real yourself, the true self, the true person that God created. And so it says uh, we had to have God's help. This is the how and why of it. So it's pretty simple, but it was complicated for me. First of all, the first thing you have to do is you had to quit playing God. Everybody agree that's a good idea? Now, I didn't understand this. It didn't work. <laughs> I skipped through that. It didn't make sense to me. But you know why it didn't work? Because I wasn't God. See, I would read that and say, well, sure, it didn't work. But why? Because I'm not God and I can't be, play God. When I play God, I'm back at self-will. And then everything we read comes in the play. So that's the first thing. I have to quit playing God. I have to do it every day. It says when you wake up, you have, You think of your plans for the day, and they say, stop right away. Ask God to to direct your thinking, divorce it from selfish, dishonest, self-seeking motives. Start the day asking God in. And then throughout the day, you're going to ask him to give you the right thought or action and the power to carry out his will. And then at night, you inventory how well you did. So next, I'm going to make a decision. That hereafter in this drama of life, now the drama in my life was me. It was my mind. It was my thinking. I created all the drama. God was going to be my director. So I want in the future God to be my director. He's the principal. We are his agents. He's the father. I'm his child. Most guys, and I believe that's true. And I pray to God as my heavenly father. Most good ideas are simple. That's a good idea, isn't it? Simple stop playing god let god direct your life he's going to be the director he's your father you're his child you work for him and this concept was the keystone the keystone of this new and triumphant arch through which we pass to freedom now we talked about the cornerstone back in we agnostics when they say do you believe are you willing to believe that there's a power greater than yourself and they say as soon as you believe or you're willing to believe all of a sudden, things are changing, and you've put the cornerstone of this arch into place. Now, the foundation of the arch, they take 43 pages of doctor's opinion to help you see that you're powerless to run your life, you're powerless to fix what's going on with you, and you're in a lot of pain, and you're willing to go to any length and do anything. And I love the way Susie described that, and Mark talked about it, the estimate treatment. What is, what is uh, going to any length? And it means going to any length. Am I completely willing? Page 28, do I have the desperation of a drowning man? If I do, then I have this flimsy reed that I hold on to, and over time that becomes the hand of God. Has that been true for people? I have see people in the room, I know that's true. It's for me, it was a flimsy reed. I had no idea what it was, but I'm gonna hold on to this. I don't have anything else. And over the years, it became the hand of God. And that's 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 the power of the steps. And it's so true. That's why I, I'm so passionate about this. So the keystone of the new triumphant arch, which I passed the freedom, is the idea that God's gonna be God and I'm gonna serve him. Now, what is the arch of, that we're building? We're building an arch. When you come in here, I'm living in my world. It's called Michael's World. It doesn't look good. And I'm in Michael's world, and I have to say I don't want to be in this world anymore. It's not working. I'm, I'm, I'm powerless over alcohol. My life's unmanageable. So I believe that there's a power that can help me. And then I make a decision that I'm going to let God be God, and I'm going to serve Him. And then I'm starting to move out of that world, and I'm taking a journey to the world where God's the center. And we get there on page 84 when it says we're in the world of the Spirit. If you go to the site under resources of recovery, I have a handout, a PDF there on that. And it shows how we go from the world of the Spirit. We don't want to live there. We make a decision, step three. And then steps four through nine, bring me into the world of the Spirit where God's the center. And when I'm in the world of the Spirit, I have power now. I have power to direct my life and power over alcohol through God. So the arch, when I come in, I'm on the wrong world and I want to go to the right world. So think of it that way, I've never said it that way before, but when we come in, I was in the wrong world and I want to be in the real world where God's the director. And in scripture, it's the darkness. I was in the darkness and I want to walk in the light. And so we build that arch to freedom. But the keystone and the cornerstone, the foundation won't do any good if you don't put the other stones in. And then on step five, when you put some more stones in, they said, have you built your foundation on sand or have you built it on rock? Have you put cement in? Are you really doing the deal? And then the promises we read at a lot of meetings are really the, the tenth step promises, the promises that happen when you're in the world with God. You suddenly realize God is doing for you, You not you yourself. Where were you when that happened? It just happens. Susie described it one day. She just had peace. The obsession to drink was gone. She was reacting differently. Same things happened to me and others. And so it says, when I sincerely took this position, that God's a director, remarkable things follow. Now I have people write a contract with God in the front of their book. And I put your name on one side, draw a line, it's not complicated, and you put God over here. So God's my new employer. So once I realized that I didn't work for St. Francis anymore, I worked for God. And and that, that gives you relief. I'm not working for money. I'm not working for approval. I'm working for God to serve him. To me, that was a great freedom. I have to remember that. And God's all-powerful. Does everybody agree with that? So God is going to give me everything I need. So in your contract, I have me and I have God. And God's job in the contract, it's a legal contract, is he's going to give me everything I need. Now, what do I have to do? I have to stay close to him. Now, I'm not going to get everything I need if I'm not close to him because I'm going to get what I need, and it's no good. And I perform his work well. You see the difference? God, he's going to give me everything I need. That's pretty good, isn't it? And all I have to do is stay close to him and do his work well. I don't know how to do that. So that's what the rest of the steps are. How do I stay close to God and do his work well? Notice his work, not my work. And And then the other thing God gets, and this is a bonus. It took me a while to realize this, and this is great. God has worry. When I'm worrying, that's God's job. God has worry, and he'll give me everything I need. What could be better than that? I don't have to worry anymore, and I get everything I need spiritually if I stay close to him and do his work well. I mean, what could be the better? Anybody like that contract? Yeah, and that's what they're telling you. Now, when I'm established on that footing, I've signed this contract, I became, I'm going to become less and less interested in myself. Why? I'm working for God. My little plans and designs. More and more... And this is a process. More and more I become interested in seeing what I could contribute to life instead of what life owed me or what I needed to get out of life to be okay. Now I'm okay if I'm working for God and I stay close to Him and do His work well. And what do I get? I get peace. I get serenity. I'm not in conflict with everybody and everyone. I became less and less interested in my little plants. More and more, I became interested in seeing what I could contribute to life. Remember, our real purpose in that, it says on page 77, is to maximally fit myself so I can be of service to God and others. So how do I maximally fit myself? I learn how to do the steps. I learn how to react. I learn the principles. I learn the tools. I learn how to react. And then I can be of service to God and others. Now, they only work if you use them, by the way. As we felt new power flow in, and I think just, just when you start to do this, you feel better. When you give up completely and you ask God, when I asked God to help me, it's almost 21 years ago, next week or something, a couple weeks, I can't remember. When I asked God to help me, I felt better right away. Still full of fear and my life was a complete mess, but I just felt I'd given it up. I dropped the rock, the big rock I was carrying around. And it says, as we felt new power flow in, we enjoyed peace of mind. As we, I always wanted just peace of mind, but I could never find it except through this program. In fact, early on, I didn't know what peace of mind was. I was afraid. What was, was, I, what was I forgetting to worry about? Anybody else like that? Because I just feel okay. Well, wait a second. There must be something out there. And it sounds funny, but it's the way it was. And now I look for that. I want to be okay. We become conscious of his presence. So you're finally becoming, just by making this decision and this contract with God, you're starting to feel the presence of God. And you discovered you can face life successfully. And as we become conscious of his presence, I begin to lose my fear. Just begin of today, tomorrow, and hereafter, because I've been reborn. I'm entering a new world. I'm leaving the world of Michael and entering the world of God. And so I'm gonna stop there and we'll do the third step prayer and look at the instructions for the beginning of step four uh, next time. Is that okay? All right, so I'm gonna shut up now. Thank you.